Lifestyles Unlimited presents the Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Over the next hour, we unfold your map to financial freedom. You'll learn how to retire through investing in single-family and multifamily real estate. You'll learn how to create cash flow and build wealth so you can have the time and money to live the lifestyle you want. Welcome to the show. My name is Al Gordon, and as always, I'm working on your financial freedom. And I will tell you, I think I have a expo hangover. Yeah, I think I have an expo hangover. And you're, you're sitting there thinking, what the heck is that, Al? What is an expo hangover? Well, it, it, it has to do with the fact that we just completed one of the most extraordinary events that Lifestyles Unlimited throws annually. We did our annual expo event. We had well over 5,000 like-minded real estate investors. Basically, they all went to the Irving Convention Center in Irving, Texas, which is part of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And I'll tell you what, we, we just had a phenomenal time. I got to see so many people that I know, that I personally know, and I got to walk up to them. I got to handshake them. I got to give them hugs. Some of them I gave hugs to because I'm really, really excited. As a matter of fact, I, I ran into three different people. Three different people that told me that they had retired themselves in 2022 by doing what we teach at Lifestyles Unlimited. And you know what I did? I did the happy dance, man. I, I did the happy dance because that is that is an incredible feat. When somebody does what we tell them to do and they get the results so that we tell them they're going to get, it's it's an amazing thing. It's, it's an amazing thing. And I'm sure there were many more people that had retired themselves in 2022. I just didn't get a chance to talk to all of them. As a matter of fact, some of the people that I talked to, they've been retired for a long time. I actually would would suggest that the majority of the people that I talk to, the people that I, I've gotten to know over the years, they they've been retired for a while. So maybe that's part of the reason I didn't run into so many people that had retired themselves in 2022. It's because most of the people that I know, they're already retired. It's a great thing. So what does retirement mean? Well, retirement means that they have regained 100 percent control over their lives. You heard me correctly. They've gained 100% control over their lives. They're the ones calling the shots. There's no boss telling them to be in a certain place at a certain time wearing a certain type of attire. There's none of that. They call the shots. Now, the lead investors that I know, technically, they're still working. But here's the neat thing about being a lead investor. You still own 100% of your time because you are the business owner. You heard me correctly. You're the business owner. You call the shots. You may put in 40 hours a week. Maybe you determine that that's appropriate for you to do. But there are also times where you make a decision that, hey, I'm going to take the wife and kids on a 10-day Disney cruise. Not that I'm endorsing a Disney cruise, but wouldn't it be cool to just go, hey, I want to take 10 days off. I want to take the wife and kids, and I want to go do a Disney cruise. Well, you can do that. Because you're the owner of the company. You schedule everything. I just want to get you retired. I don't want you to go through peril. And what I mean by peril is doing what you're doing right now. You heard me correctly. Doing exactly what you're doing right now, which is not investing. And some of you would yell back at the radio and say, you got it all wrong, Al. I've got a financial planner. I've got mutual funds. I own fractional shares in hundreds of companies. I'm investing. No, you're not. And here's why. 
Tell me about those hundred companies, hundreds of companies that you have fractional shares in. What benefit do they give you in your investing strategy? Do you know? You don't have any idea, do you? You don't even know what companies are in that mutual fund because there is a fund manager that controls all of that. That fund manager makes decisions based on what, what companies go into that fund and what companies go out of that fund. How do they do that? Well, they take a look at all the companies that are in the fund and they go, okay, well, this, this company is not performing at the 8% that we told all of our investors we, we would have them perform at. So we got to make them go away. So what do they do? Well, they look outside of the fund at other companies that are maybe making 10 or 12% and they try and bring those companies in. So they're, they're calling out the underperforming companies and they're bringing in companies that they think are going to perform better. But here's the thing. All of these people doing all of these things for you to help you get retired. Not one of them's retired. Now think about that for a minute. Not one of those individuals, not your fund manager, not your financial planner, none of those people working in that industry have retired themselves. Yet you are taking investment advice from people that have not achieved retirement. Doesn't that seem a little bit odd to you? It seems totally odd to me. As a matter of fact, when, when I was younger and, and I had those mutual funds, I thought it was a little bit weird. But here's what I didn't know. I didn't know the power of investing in real estate. I didn't know that real estate had the ability to pay me five different ways, six ways if we're talking about multifamily, because multifamily is actually a part of the commercial real estate grouping of assets. Real estate is poised to provide you some outstanding returns, provided you know what to do. This is why I got involved with real estate. One of the things that you need to know if you're going to build your strategy is you have to have goals and objectives. So you take your goals and objectives and then you build your strategies that help you to achieve your goals and objectives. That's, that's how strategies are supposed to work. And back in the 1920s, like well over almost 100 years ago in this country, that period of time was known as the Roaring Twenties. It was a decade of economic prosperity and growth, but it was also a time of speculation and also a time of very risky investment strategies very risky ones. And some of those investment strategies that failed in the 1920s are going to be disclosed to you right now. Yeah, I want you to understand what was going on in the 1920s. Now, now think about it. Back in the 1920s, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have television. We had radio. We had vehicles. We did. So we had the horseless carriage. We had cars. Okay. We had indoor plumbing in some places. We didn't have it in other places. We had sewer systems in some places. We didn't have it in other places. Okay, so the United States was, was kind of coming out of the industrial age, so to speak, and, and going into a, a period of some really great growth, really great economic prosperity. Can I compare that to the 20s of the year 2000s? I, I don't know. I don't know. I think we had great economic prosperity under the previous presidential administration, but I think some of that prosperity got tampered with when the, the new administration came in. After all, we, we now have inflation. We have, we have concerns. There have been a lot of layoffs in the tech industry. Remember all that happened back in January? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things to be concerned about. But 
I think we can learn some lessons from the 1920s. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to you about what people were doing in the 1920s that got them in trouble with investing. And then we're going to talk about what maybe they possibly should have done. How's that sound? Does that sound like a good, good plan? All right, let's do this. So one of the things where people got into trouble was in the stock market. I mean, you've heard of the great crash of 1929, right? That's that was the initial crash that kicked off all the other subsequent crashes that the stock market has endured since its existence. The stock market does that periodically. It crashes. It gets it gets so high in value that it can't support that value. And it just it tumbles. It tumbles. There's there's I can give you a lot of academic reasons for it, but I don't want to hurt your brain right now. And I don't want to hurt my brain, so I'm not going there. But let's talk about margin buying. What is that? Margin buying has to do with borrowing money on future purchases. So in other words, you're you're allowed to put a certain percentage of money down to buy large shares of stocks. Yeah. And it's problematic. It's very problematic. It's, it's okay if everything works out. It's not okay if it doesn't work out, because if it doesn't work out, you got to fork over a whole bunch of cash to cover your losses. Now, one example of margin buying gone wrong is the story of a guy by the name of Joseph Kennedy. Joseph Kennedy. You've, you've heard the name. He's the father of our former president, John Kennedy. Now, Joseph Kennedy was a successful businessman, and he was a stock market speculator all the way back in the 1920s, but he lost a significant portion of his fortune when the stock market crashed in 1929. You know what he'd been doing? He had invested heavily on margin, borrowing large sums of money to buy stocks. And when the market crashed, he was unable to pay back his loans. He lost everything. You want to talk about going bankrupt? That's what going bankrupt looks like. That's what it sounds like if you're listening to me on the radio. Now, another thing that happened back then had to do with speculation in the real estate markets. Yeah, believe it or not, there are people that speculate in real estate. And I don't think that's a really good idea. There are people today speculating in the real estate markets today. They're, they're trying to time the market or they're trying to figure out where the tops are, figure out where the bottoms are, and then they'll only buy or sell based on, on that known information. That to me is a problematic strategy. It is a very problematic strategy because you don't know when the top actually hits until it's already happened. And you don't know when the bottom hits until it's already happened. And once you finally figure it, it out, it chances are there's nothing you can do about it. But real estate speculation. So what was going on in the roaring 20s? Well, one example of real estate speculation gone wrong is the Florida land boom of the 1920s. Many investors, including many from the north. Yeah, we're talking about you New Yorkers up there. Many investors bought land in Florida with the expectation that it would increase in value. Yeah, they just had the expectation it would increase in value. But here's what happened. When the economy slowed down in the late 1920s, the demand for Florida real estate, it decreased. It decreased. Nobody wanted the land anymore or less and less people wanted the land. And many investors were left with properties that were worth less than what they had paid for them. So, so now you've got a piece of property that's now underwater. You paid, let's say, $100 for it. It's now worth $40. 
what do you do? What do you, do you hold it? You could hold it, but you probably have to keep paying real estate taxes on it because real estate taxes or property taxes, so to speak, are, are a real thing. Now, I don't know if they existed back in the 1920s and all the speculative land in Florida, but it happened. It happened in the 1920s. And here's the other problem. If you sold the property, you're going to take a loss. You're going to lose $60. Remember, you bought it for 100 you sold it for 40 You lose $60. Yeah, that's how you lose money in real estate, speculating on properties, speculating that property values will go up and not go down, speculating that land is a viable asset class for investors. Now, there are some people out there that would argue, yes, land is a viable asset for investors. At Lifestyles Unlimited, we say no. We say no to land. And here's why we say no to land. Land, in many, many instances, does not pay you an income stream. Unless you have a ground lease on that property, in other words, you're allowing somebody else to utilize the property, it's not providing you an income. And that's one of the key factors. That's Del Wamsley's rule number two. The property, the asset, it must cash flow. We come back from the break. More on speculation from the Roaring Twenties. Stick around. Got questions? Call Lifestyles Unlimited at 855-497-4335. The Real Estate Investor Radio Show continues next. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be a part of Lifestyles Unlimited? Del Wamsley tells you what to expect when you join us for the next live online free workshop. We've been here for 30 years. Over 30 years, we've had and or do have roughly 50,000 plus members all over the United States. We have retired tens of thousands of people and it's just incredible what you're gonna find that you're gonna be in here. Not only are you gonna find the greatest amount of information and education, you're gonna find the people, the most open people you've ever met in your entire life. Come meet the people at Lifestyles Unlimited who will help you change your life and empower you to stop depending on a paycheck, your 401k, IRA, or social security for your future. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. At the free workshop, we'll teach you the five ways to make money with real estate, cash flow, equity capture, appreciation, equity buildup, and the tax advantages. Like Dell says, we'll open our books and show you how the numbers work with both single family and multifamily case studies. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Creating the lifestyle you've always wanted. You're hearing Lifestyles Unlimited's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Welcome back to the second half of the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. My name is Al Gordon, and as always, I'm working on your financial freedom. And you're probably tired of me saying I've got a expo hangover by now, right? I mean, I've used it in every segment so far. I'll probably use it in the fourth segment too, because it, it kind of explains how I feel. I feel, I feel, first of all, I feel energized. I feel really pumped up, but I feel somewhat exhausted at the same time because I left it all on the floor, if you will, of the expo. I mean, I gave 110% of myself to other people. Other people gave 110% of themselves to, to guys like me. And I just had an amazing experience. And I, and I will tell you that this experience this year was even better than the experiences from the previous years. And here's why. Every year I go back to expo, there are more and more people 
that I know. Yeah, I know far more people now than I did five years ago when I went to my very first expo. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. So when it comes to networking, when you know somebody, it's easy to network with them. As a matter of fact, networking is the catalyst that will help you get to know people. Yeah, that's why I know so many people. And and I love it. I love it. So so how does that come into play? Well, it comes into play if, if I'm, as a passive investor, which I am, am looking to invest in a real estate transaction, I get to know all the lead investors in Lifestyles Unlimited. Now, I, I get to know the non-leads also because they're my fellow passives. I, I rely on my fellow passives to give me information about the leads that maybe the leads either don't have available about themselves or, or maybe they don't want me to know about themselves. Okay. I'm just, I'm just laying it out for you, but the leads are the people that are going to be doing all the heavy lifting and orchestrating the deal and operating the deal and getting my returns to me at the time that they promised them at the amounts that they articulated. Yeah, boy, that was a lot of word salad there, wasn't it? All right, let's get back to the roaring 20s. You want to know about a time of speculation and risky investment strategies, and that's what was going on during the entire 1920s. Now, why am I bringing this up to you? The reason I'm bringing this up to you is because this kind of stuff is existing today. It's, it's not in the exact same form. It's not the exact same people that I'm, I'm telling you about. It's not the same processes. You know, I don't think people are, are going to Florida and speculating on Florida land. Or are they? Or are they? They might be doing that today as they were doing it back in the 1920s. And here's the problem. When you're speculating on land and that land doesn't have a cash component to it, in other words, it doesn't pay you any money, it's not really an investment. And you are setting yourself up for a very risky future because you're speculating that the price will go up and land prices don't always go up. Sometimes they stay flat. Sometimes they actually go down. And if you're looking at, to get a certain rate of return, a better way to do it is to invest either in single family properties or multifamily properties. Yeah, I just told you. I just told you the whole strategy secrets of Lifestyles Unlimited. That's what we do. We buy and hold real estate assets, either in the single family space or the multifamily space. And we operate those properties. They provide us cash flow. They, they provide us the opportunity to capture equity in the deal because we're, we're buying the properties and fixing them up at wholesale pricing, yet we're commanding retail pricing in the marketplace. We're, we're getting the benefit of natural appreciation. We're getting the benefit of principal pay down. We're getting the benefit of having our cash flows insulated from taxation because of the tax benefits that the depreciation that these properties provide us provides. It's, it's a great thing. And if I'm in the multifamily space, I have the ability by, by adjusting the income streams of the property. In other words, increasing the income streams of the property, overall increasing the value of the property. So I'm, I'm forcing appreciation on the asset instead of doing what people did in the 1920s, which was buy a piece of land, put their hands together and pray that it goes up in value. It's dumb. It's dumb. All right. Let's, let's talk about the the automobile industry. Okay. This is, this is actually a, a very interesting component of what happened in the 1920s. Now think about it. 
in the 1920s, what did we have? What was, what was the big invention that was changing everybody's life? The horseless carriage, right? The automobile. And the automobile, well, it came on the scene. And Americans started buying them. Not everybody at once, not everybody could afford them, but automobiles were becoming more and more prevalent. So what's this got to do with risky investment strategies? Well, it has everything to do with it, because let me, let me hit you with this. The automobile industry speculation went completely wrong. Have you heard of Durant Motor Company? I mean, it doesn't roll off the tip of your tongue like Ford or Chevy does, right? And, and don't forget about Dodge and Ram and those things. I understand those are out there. And of course, Tesla, right? Now, Tesla is the new one, right? It's the new and up-and-coming electric vehicle. It's the one that's, that's creating all the change and all the buzz in the automobile industry today. But back then, it was a company called Durant Motor Company. And it was owned by a guy by the name of William C. Durant who founded, now get this, General Motors. That guy founded General Motors, and then he started the Durant Motor Company in 1921 to compete with his former company. Yeah, this guy went into competition with what he had done in the past. Now, the company, they went public in 1925. And its stock price, man, it just soared. It's because everybody's like, this is the new buzzword. Remember when Google went with its IPO? Remember back in the day when Google went for its IPO? Everybody was waiting in the wings. They had to get some Google. And, and the price, I think it came out of the, the block, something like, I don't know, 300 some odd dollars. And it shot up to like $1,000 like overnight. I, uh, you can do the research, but that's what I recall happening. Okay, I think something very similar happened with Durant Motor Company, but it was eventually revealed that the company's finan financial statements were not as strong as they seemed. Yeah, see, people weren't digging into the company and finding out what the true financial strength and solvency of the company was. And then in 1929, when the stock market crashed, the company filed for bankruptcy, leaving many investors with worthless stock. Yeah, so what did they have? They had a, a piece of paper that could trade for nothing. So no matter what they paid for that paper, all that money was gone. Now, there, there was another organization, another company in the automobile industry that was affected by what happened in the 1920s. It was the White Motor Corporation. Yeah, the White Motor Corporation was a leading manufacturer of trucks and buses back in the 1920s. However, that company struggled to adapt to changing market conditions. And ultimately, even though it didn't get wiped out in the crash of 1929, it ultimately filed for bankruptcy in 1940. Yeah, see, it was it was so affected by what happened in the 20s. It, it couldn't sustain past the 30s and it went into bankruptcy. So what do you think happened to all the owners of stock in White Motor Corporation? Yeah, the, the same thing that happened to all the owners of stock in the Durant Motor Company. Now, there's another company that was around in the 1920s that had to do with the automobile industry. See, I'm telling you, the reason I'm bringing these up is because this was, this was the new up-and-coming product. This was the thing that was supposed to change the face of America. And, and to be honest with you, it did. I mean, the, having the motor car is, is something that definitely changed the landscape of America. But there was another company out there called Packer Motor Car Company. You remember the Packard, right? The company struggled 
to compete. When other automobile manufacturers emerged on the scene in the 1920s, the Packard Motor Car Company failed to keep up and it filed for bankruptcy in 1956. You have to understand that there were people back in the 1920s that bought stock and they thought that when they bought that stock, they were buying something that was just going to always go up and up and up in value. So when they bought that stock, they went about their daily lives. But in 1956, they filed for bankruptcy and that stock, it became worthless. Okay, let's get back to another strategy that was going on in the 1920s. And what I'm talking about is agricultural commodity speculation. It's something that went very wrong with the wheat market in the 1920s. The wheat market had been in a bear market for many years, but with the end of World War I, farmers began to plant more wheat with prices rising sharply in the 1920s. However, with all the increasing production, everybody jumping onto the scene to plant wheat, the prices, well, they fell because the market was flooded with product. And guess what happened to the investors that invested in all the futures of that wheat? They lost a lot of money. All right. There was another investing strategy. This thing was rampant during the 1920s. Okay. Well, in the 1920s, there was something called buying on tips. This particular concept went, went way wrong with regards to a company you may have heard of, the Radio Corporation of America, also known as RCA. And in the late 1920s, the stock price soared as more and more people began to buy radios. Because remember, that was the other up and coming thing. We had radio back in the day, right? We didn't have television. When the stock market crashed in 1929, the company's stock price fell significantly. And many investors who had bought the stock on tips that it was going to go up, it couldn't go down. They lost their entire life's savings. Now, my father happened to be alive. He was only about four years old at, at the time. But he grew up seeing people in the 1930s standing in bread lines. This country was materially affected significantly by the crash of 1929. The people that seemed to have done the best during the Great Depression were the people that were not invested in the stock market, that were not doing any of these types of risky investments. And, and really, that's your takeaway for, for today's show. I want you to understand what you're investing in. I want you to fully comprehend what you're buying. If you own mutual funds, you need to get that prospectus out and you need to read up on those companies. You need to find out, first of all, do those companies even share your value system? Do you know that you may invest in companies through your mutual fund that they, they think one way and that way is counter to the way you think, but you're funding them? Is that something you want to do? I don't know. That's a personal choice. Now, for me, I don't get caught up in the, the, the 
politics of investing. I, I don't. And I don't have to get caught up in the politics of investing because I don't invest in the stock market. I don't have to worry about what all of these companies are doing or they're not doing or whether Elon Musk wants to take a company private or or somebody wants to to put out an IPO for another company. I don't care about any of that stuff. What I care about is good old fashioned properties that we can rent out and make an income stream from. And here's the thing. I don't want you to be like John Kennedy's dad and lose everything in the stock market when the stock market crashes. I don't want you to be like those people from New York City that were buying properties in Florida, speculating on the fact that they would go up in in value only to find out that they did not. I don't want you investing in companies that maybe don't have solid business plans like the Durant Motor Company. I don't want you speculating in the commodities market because you don't know what the future holds and the future can have a lot of effect on the pricing of those future values of those commodities. That's speculating. Speculating to me is is a pseudonym for gambling. Yeah, gambling. And, and having grown up in Las Vegas, Nevada, I know for a fact that the entire town was not built on winners. It was not built on winners. It was built on the fact that people go there, lose money, and then they leave. And then the town uses that money in its economy, and it's doing great because people don't win as much as people lose. I want you to be a winner. I want you to be a real estate investor. As a matter of fact, I want to see you at our expo next year. Wouldn't it be great if, if you came to expo next year and, and you walked up to me? I, I usually hang out in the radio booth. What, what's the radio booth? Okay, that's where I was hanging out this entire time. And it gives me an opportunity to get to meet all the members. People come up to me and they say, hey, really enjoyed this show on that or, or good job on the radio. And, and you know, I get, I get a chance to, to listen to what my listening audience tells me about the show. It's, it's, it's great feedback for me. But what's even more more amazing is I would have the opportunity to meet you. I would have the opportunity to learn your story. And then I'd have the opportunity to watch you become successful as a real estate investor. Want to get started now? Go to lifestylesunlimited.com, sign up for a free workshop, and let's get you going. Thank you for listening to Lifestyles Unlimited's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Ready for more of the map? Visit LifestylesUnlimited.com. Explore our videos and articles. Click on the radio tab to access past show podcasts. View the radio show schedule and listen to our best of radio shows. Want to continue the conversation? Follow Lifestyles Unlimited on Facebook today. We want to meet you as well. Sign up for a free workshop at Lifestyles lifestylesunlimited.com. Until next time, remember, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. The information and opinions you hear on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show constitutes an endorsement recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.